everyone, and welcome to another ISACA podcast. My name is Chris McGowan. I'm the Principal Information Security Professional Practice Lead here at ISACA. Joining me today is Pat Barnett. He's the Senior Incident Response Principal Consultant at SecureWorks. Welcome, Pat. Thank you. So, Pat, before we jump into um, your article, how organizations can consistently reduce cyber risk, um, won't you share a little bit about yourself and what you do professionally currently um, with our audience? Yes, um, pleasure. Um, yeah, I work with uh, Dell SecureWorks. Um, uh, I work in the incident response uh, part of uh, of the business. Uh, incident response uh, does both proactive and reactive uh, engagements. Uh, I've been uh, in this current role for uh, seven years. Thanks, Pat. Yeah, it's it's interesting. My wife also uh, works for. Uh, a company that does, she works in the incident management um, department of their company as well. So you've obviously been in this field for many years. Um, I was doing a little research before the podcast and I see that you actually have a degree in human biology. Is there any way you're going to like expand on that and tell us how you jumped from that field to the security field? Yeah. Yeah. Early, uh, early in my career, I, 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 I kind of fell in love with biology and in, in, in high school, and so that was one of the first things I I studied uh, in college, and I uh, I was at the time working uh, as a, as a paramedic uh, in in North Carolina, uh, and and always loved studying uh, studying biology, but uh, uh, I started um, while I was working as a paramedic. Uh, it was in the early uh, PC days when PCs were first uh, uh, hitting everyone's desk. Um, some of the very, very uh, uh, prehistoric machines uh, compared to now. Uh, it was a hobby. Uh, I uh, had a little uh, shop uh, in the basement of the home and uh, I uh, w- would put together computers and motherboards and hard drives as rudimentary as they were back then. And, and uh, anyways, that, that was a, a hobby. Uh, and then a little bit later, the very first versions of uh, of Windows, uh, remember Windows 3, uh, 3.1, uh, and mostly things were DOS driven. Uh, but uh, I I got an interest in that, and uh, as things uh, moved along a little bit in the early days of of computing, um, I got interested in in security. Uh, back then, cybersecurity was much much different than it is today. Uh, I, uh, I eventually uh, went to uh, school and got some certifications and, and things like that, and then got some formal education, again, because that was my hobby. Um, and uh, and we kind of one thing led to another, and, uh, and eventually I, I left uh, the, the paramedic business and, uh, and started uh, working uh, in uh, securing uh, networks. And, of course, back then uh, it was uh, all uh, token ring, uh, you know, net, uh, netware um, networks uh, before any of the Windows uh, networking existed. And I was working a lot with uh, IBM machines and AS400s and mainframes and, uh, and, and trying to figure out how to secure them when most of the connections would either be on site or, or through uh, dial-up modems. Uh, and, you know, step ahead to 2023, uh, almost a completely different world now, and certainly a completely different world from my uh, early interest in, in biology. 
<laughs> yes, thanks. It just proves you, know, you have a wide variety of experiences in your life and uh, that it's never too late or too early to, you know, if you're interested in the field to switch over. Um, I'm a big component of that. Yeah. So uh, transitioning to your paper, um, how to consistently reduce uh, cyber risk. I think a key word there, and from my perspective, is, um, you know, we're always going to have risk, right? But the key word in the title of your paper is consistently, I think. And I think as we go along in our conversation, I think that the viewers will really understand uh, what I mean by that. Uh, but to, to jump off and start, um, in your paper, you reference um, the cyber world as being a clear and present danger. Is there any way you can kind of expand on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I, I think over the last couple of years, that uh, fact has, has gotten a little more notoriety in, uh, in the governments and in uh, and, uh, and the uh, journalism uh, that everyone uh, looks at, uh, in that uh, we've seen some attacks that have uh, disrupted uh, our daily lives. Um, you know, a few years ago, uh, that, that didn't happen too much, but now you can have something like uh, what occurred with one of our major uh, oil pipelines um, that, uh, you know, has a dramatic effect uh, right away immediately. And of course, we've seen attacks going back a number of years with, with hospitals and, and, and uh, surgery centers and, and, and things like that. Um, so much so that um, the governments uh, pretty much all across the world now recognize that uh, the, the threat group activities, uh, the, the modern ransomware attacks that we can have, uh, that we often have now, uh, you know, are really a clear and present danger to, uh, to things that we use for and to protect our everyday lives. Yes, I agree. I mean, I've worked in the field myself for, you know, 23, 24 years um in the government realm um and i i think you hit it you know the nail on the head it's just that the media social media any kind of media really broadcasts and emphasizes um the latest threats or the breaches or the like the pipeline stuff you talked about or whether it may be insider threats people who leak information and things like that and i 100 agree with you i think the fact that the government is taking more of an interest in more than just, you know, what happens in the government, what's going on in industry or um, small business and just threat actors and the things in general. I think that's very important. And I'm pretty sure it's probably going to grow. Don't you think? Like, Yeah, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, I, I think um, we, we've seen a little bit of change in, uh, in, in statistic analysis, statistical analysis of um, of say uh, the ransomware, um, it seems uh, right now there's um, uh, a conscious um, uh, elimination of hitting some of the very, very um, high targets uh, like a pipeline. Uh, the threat groups uh, are going after a kind of lower hanging fruit right now, someone that wouldn't quite have as much notoriety as, as a major pipeline. Uh, we started to see that over the last couple of months. Um, but I, I don't necessarily expect that trend to continue. Uh, they're still going to be doing what they do. They're still going to be trying to attack anyone and everyone, uh, you know, for uh, for financial gain. Uh, 85, 90 percent of any, any given time of what they're doing is uh, is is for financial gain. And uh, as long as there's profitability in the things that they're doing, uh, they're going to continue to uh, to to 
do the things they're doing now. Uh, and I would expect that to even increase uh, in, in, in coming years. Uh, so we have to really uh, pay attention to having a, a, a good defense and knowing our enemies so that we can, uh, we can defend against uh, what the enemy is trying to do. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the average listener um, to somebody in our industry would, would 100% agree with you. Um, but to somebody, say, who isn't in our industry, who watches news articles about giant leaks and giant breaches and giant hacks, I mean, it's important to, to say that, like you said before, it's not just the big money thing. Sometimes they go for those low-hanging fruit because, in all honesty, it's, if you're going to make an easy buck, it's, your, it's an easy buck, whether it's a big company, small company. Um, if they find an opening, they're going to go for it, don't you think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for a good number of years, we've seen um, a lot of the attacks and breaches that have gone on are very opportunistic. Uh, they look for uh, a hole into the network, whether that be a missing patch, uh, which is very often uh, the case, or an end user that will click a link in a phishing email or in a submission text. We're seeing a lot of that right now. Uh, it's very, very opportunistic. And when they find that, uh, they are able to take advantage of that right away. Uh, one of the things that has been very, very notable over the last few years um, is the amount of dwell time uh, an attacker gets that hook inside the network. Uh, how long does it take them to uh, move on the objective? Again, usually a financial gain. Uh, you know, just a few years ago, it was months, uh, sometimes six months or a year of dwell time. Uh, now at uh, SecureWorks, we see the dwell time on average is down to 4.5 days. And we see sometimes that dwell time is as little as 90 minutes. So once they get inside your network, Work. However, they do that. Uh, they're able to to uh, move on the objectives uh, very, very rapidly, not giving you a whole lot of time. So uh, uh, things have changed quite a bit in that area. Yes, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. And to put it in a little bit of a different perspective, I mean, think of you know what's going on in the news now, right? Uh, there might be some kind of leakage, but whatever company or even the government might not even know for months. It's similar to dwell time. It's just the fact that this is going on for a period of time. And the longer it takes you to figure out that, uh-oh, something's wrong, that it's obviously there, there could be more damage to government, company, whatever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at, uh, at, at Dell and at SecureWorks, we used to do uh, what we call a thread hunt. Uh, if someone uh, saw some evidence that maybe they have a uh, threat actor inside the network um, and, and could, uh, could correspond that with some log entries and things like that, we would go in and look for uh, threats. We would do a, a threat hunt. Uh, now we see organizations do these threat hunts uh, constantly. Uh, they, they, they pretty much have to. Some of the big organizations, um, you know, are constantly, uh, they're constantly being attacked. Uh, they're constantly uh, trying to get threat actors out of the network um, uh, very much, uh, you know, unlike a few years ago when it was an occasional thing. Uh, now it happens all the time in a lot of organizations. And uh, also the, we, we see that, uh, you know, for the good Good thing is that the technology that we use has advanced quite a bit uh, over the years. Technology is also advanced for the threat actors, uh, but we have a lot of good next generation input protection um, applications now that uh, tend to 
make it easier to track the movements of, uh, of a threat actor when they penetrate into the network. And we, we look at that telemetry. Uh, we uh, look at that, um, you know, uh, internally ourselves as, as cybersecurity professionals, and then most organizations will also have uh, outside uh, parties, uh, MSSPs, look at the traffic. And that hybrid approach of both looking at the traffic ourselves and having someone else look at it too, along with a lot of the new technology, tends to make it a little bit easier to cut down the amount of time that uh, the bad guys are in the network doing the things they're doing. Uh, but uh, you know, that being said, that's not always the case. Uh, sometimes organizations are not fully utilizing all the technology that's available to them. And so they still have a little ways to go to get to that point. That kind of brings it back to, you know, small steps you can do to reduce uh, cyber risk, right? I mean, you the, the days of, like you talked about in the beginning of the computing and Windows, where I, from far back as I can remember, because I joined the military in uh, 95 and went right into security back then, which, as you said, has changed quite a bit. But all anybody seemed to be worried about back then was virus definitions and, you know, McAfee or whatever sweet, that'll protect you. And that's, that's, that's not exactly the case. Um, so speaking of risk, though, is that why you consider it like a moving target? Yeah, the, the, the threat actors are constantly changing the things that they do based upon what's successful. Uh, they, they run their enterprise uh, like a business uh, more and more. Uh, we see the, the you know, stereotypical uh, threat actor uh, now, uh, you know, could be anywhere in the world, can be uh, male and female. More and more, they work uh, in an organization with other threat actors. Uh, they are given, uh, you know, 40-hour work weeks, uh, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and they uh, get a percentage of what they're able to, uh, to steal. Uh, they uh, usually uh, have uh, no real technical expertise uh, to, to speak of. As a matter of fact, most of them never graduated high school. Uh, they probably only know how to communicate in their own language. Uh, the tools that they use to do what they do are usually written by someone else, uh, provided by someone else, or they can simply go to the dark web and, and buy malware or buy malware as a service. Uh, but they, uh, they they do that. Again, it's, it's a business. Um, they uh, run it like a business. Uh, they, they find things that increase the percentages of payments just a little bit, and they're going to stick with those things. They're going to move forward with that. More and more, they're investing uh, in the uh, in the intellectual property and in the in um, the things that they do, uh, they they buy information, share information about zero day exploits and about vulnerabilities that we may not be aware of. Uh, so doing all of that, uh, they are able to constantly shift and and up their game, and they're making good steady progress all the time. Us on the defensive side, we have to make good steady progress at the same rate just to stay even, right? We don't want to fall behind and not be making, uh, you know, uh, good progress at the same pace they are or, or, you know, like I said, we fall behind and we, we're not able to protect our networks anymore. Uh, so it's very important that we stay up with what the threat groups are trying to do. Yeah, I know this, it's kind of a funny analogy, but I mean, I was watching a TV show, I think it was one of the superhero shows, and they, they said something that resonated with me in regards to this. It, they said something uh, to the fact that, you know, the good guys or the defenders, they have to be good 
and you know proficient at their craft all the time the bad guys really only have to be good you know one time to get access and get what they need and get out or whatnot and i just really thought about that i was like oh you know that it's it's a scary thought if you think about it it's like we we always have to be ever changing not complacent um doing the best we can um at our craft but those guys can be script kiddies whatever find some little vulnerability and next thing you know they have access to a system that they probably didn't even realize they they could get into you know yeah yeah absolutely uh it's a, it's a very good analogy uh there's many many layers to a good cybersecurity uh defense defense in depth is, is the word that we use um the and most people know that i think in in 2023 one thing they need to understand is that the various uh, layers uh, of the defense are, are not constant. Uh, they, they are shifting all the time. Um, when, when threat actors get more tools or find additional vulnerabilities, uh, that changes risk uh, for everyone. Uh, and that, that brings up uh, you know, threat intelligence, knowing what the bad guys are up to, uh, how they're doing the things that they do, what tools and tricks they're using to do the things they do is very, very important. Um, only when you know, uh, you know your enemy and how your enemy attacks are you able to really put up a really good defense and, and use all the layers necessary to, uh, to protect uh, your network. Uh, so it, it's, it's very important that everyone understand the risk fluctuates all the time and the uh, you know the w only way that you can keep up with that uh, is by constantly adding more layers to your defense. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think the key there is to constantly add more layers. You have to constantly be in that security mindset. You have to, because you know the day of in our field, the day of just coming to work, doing your job, and going home. If you want to be more successful, you have to take that extra time or that time at work to research find out what the latest trends are find out what you know what breaches have recently happened um you know learn from other people's mistake mistakes to be honest or just plain um I, i'm a big proponent of i mean learning that's why i love these podcasts because if if any of our listeners and even me myself i usually learn something every time i have one of these and I think it's really important in our field to, you know, continual education. It doesn't mean getting certifications or whatever. It's just more like your threat intelligence that you spoke of. I think that that's a, a huge benefit to improve, you know, the security posture, whether it be risk, privacy, anything in regards to an organization's, um, you know, their, their security, the security of their organization, basically. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely uh, agree. As I'm working with clients um, uh, with SecureWorks, it, it's very often I ask them about how they collect threat intelligence um, and, and very often make a recommendation that uh, they uh, increase the amount of threat intelligence that they receive and they receive it from from several sources not putting all of your eggs in one basket and getting all your threat intelligence from one source i, I think that's very very beneficial but but more than that uh, being able to go you know to the next step by having 
uh, received uh, good threat intelligence to be able to take action on that uh, intelligence uh, rapidly. Uh, traditionally, uh, in, in network administration and cybersecurity, we, uh, we do things slow. We go through a change control process that can take days and even weeks. Uh, but on the cybersecurity defense side of that, you, you don't really you don't really have that, uh, that the luxury of being able to wait that long. You need to make changes uh, very rapidly. So uh, we, we always recommend that uh, every organization implement uh, a way that they can, uh, they can make those changes based off threat intelligence quickly uh, and then you know, do things like, uh, like uh, document change control um, later. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you know that um, uh, your organization that sells uh, widgets and another organization somewhere in the same geographical location of you, uh, they also make widgets and they just were attacked uh, from uh, a certain uh, geographical IP space and, uh, and that attack you know, included um, a certain type of malware and that malware used, uh, you know, uh, heuristically used uh, certain account information, certain ports, um, and, and that uh, it reported back to, uh, for command and control to a certain IP address. If you can get all of that, and you said, wait, wait a minute now, you know, they may hit us next, but now because I have this information, I can put in some rules, I can block things at the firewall, I can uh, feed some of this information into our, our uh, desktop uh, security uh, applications, our, our next gen, uh, not just virus, but our next gen anti-malware uh, applications. If I can do all of that and then get hypervigilant looking for those type things, then I don't become the next victim. That's just one example of many how we can use uh, threat intelligence in a way to uh, to prevent uh, any damage or any penetration into our networks. Yes, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, it's, it's perfectly stated. We talked about threat intelligence. We talked about, you know, risk in general. Um, so the first steps to, to even, I mean, in your opinion, to start reducing cyber risk, would, it, would that be basically understanding what, what risk you have at said company or organization? Was it, would that be a good starting point? Yeah, I, I think always a good starting point is to do a risk assessment, uh, to, to um, have, um, if possible, a third party come in and, and look at your risk. Sometimes outsiders are better able to see things than we are ourselves internally. But if you can have uh, do a risk assessment, look at what your risks are, and then take and correlate that with what's going on in the cyber world by getting good threat intelligence. What are the bad guys doing? Uh, you know, how are they successful? Uh, put all of that together and then look at, you know, uh, defense and depth, uh, look at the layers that you have, always be looking to add additional layers uh, and, and not all layers are the same. Some layers take uh, months and are very expensive to add on. Uh, other layers uh, have almost no cost and can be done in a matter of minutes. Always be looking for any opportunity you have to decrease risk by adding additional layers of your defense. And, and, and that entire mindset for everyone in the organization, not just your uh, network security or cybersecurity uh, and IT people, but for everyone in the organization uh, is absolutely vital uh, here in 2023. No, I, I 
I agree with you 100%. I mean, I used to work on a few different blue teams when I uh, worked in the military. And the minute we would walk into an organization or an IT office, they would be like, shake their heads like, oh, no, they're going to, speaking of the third party, they're going to they're going to find stuff. And I'm like, if you're worried when we walk in the room that we're going to find stuff, that means that you already are failing yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Third party, I think is, is the best way to go. I mean, you know, sure. It costs money and things like that, but if you want an honest, unbiased risk assessment, I, I think that's, in my opinion, that's, that's the way to go. I completely agree. Um, we, we get, um, to, um, nearsighted uh, sometimes we we uh, we work on all of these things we work on our technologies we put long hours and, and lots of emphasis on doing certain things and and, and sometimes it makes it uh, easy for us uh, to to forget certain things or to not uh, look uh, at the same emphasis as a third party coming out uh, coming inside that uh, doesn't have uh, you know the history inside an organization and, and the many many hours of, of work and dedication so uh, they're able to find the, the the holes and the and the problems uh, much easier very very often yeah and before i forget your point that you stated before um it's not always the big change to mitigate risk right it's the small blocks so any small little change over time many small changes can be just as good as some big drastic change right i, I didn't want to forget or uh not emphasize that point that you were stating because i think that's very important uh yeah yeah absolutely uh, take take for example um a, a situation uh where uh, you are a, a business and uh, you you do business uh, with um, you know a good part of the world uh, maybe as an example it's it's a very much a global economy now and that that transitions over into uh, into IT and cybersecurity but let's say that uh, there's uh, a handful of countries that you don't do business with in any way shape or form. Uh, you can simply, you know, the two or three minutes it takes to put in a firewall rule uh, to uh, to kill uh, any uh, IP packets, blacklist is what we call it, the uh, blacklist uh, certain countries in the world. That's a huge reduction in risk, right? You can block those countries coming in, block those countries going out. If you can, if you can do that, that's that's incredible. Uh, take another example uh, of reducing risk. We know how important it is to uh, train our end users and to do uh, anti-phishing campaigns and anti-smishing campaigns. Now is a is a new thing that's getting big. Uh, just a, a little bit of increase in knowledge that we put out to the end users may prevent them from clicking the link or opening the attachment or doing some of the things uh, that's, that sometimes can be as much as 50% of the way that the uh, threat groups are able to get in. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's uh, traditionally, um, it's what we call living off the land, coming in through unpatched vulnerabilities, uh, doesn't have anything to do with the end user, but on the other side, the, uh, the, the phishing, the smishing, the opening and attachments, uh, giving away information on the phone or text messages or social media, all of that is very, very important and just as important as putting in the firewall rule or doing some of the other advanced technology uh, endeavors that we're looking to do to prevent the bad guys. So all of those things, sometimes even if it just reduce risk just uh, a little bit, when uh, the cumulative effect over months and years can be quite dramatic, 
uh, and, and very, very important. Yes, well pointed. Um, you brought up something that's near and dear to me personally. It's just, you can have all the technology in the world, you can have all the policies in the world, but your biggest risk, in my opinion, is the people that sit down in front of the computer because they're humans. And whether it be you know non-malicious, people just make mistakes and don't think about it. Um, so that's why, the, in my opinion, the complacency in all aspects of risk and everything else is, is something that we as an industry need to continue to you know, emphasize and, and work on, in my opinion. A absolutely uh, agree. Um, the, the end user education uh, it is extremely important. I, I think sometimes the culture works against us. Uh, an end user knows that we take these things seriously, but they may be uh, afraid uh, to report something suspicious that they saw or done, uh, you know, afraid of retribution or afraid of, uh, you know, being labeled uh, someone that uh, is really not watching out for the things they're doing. But we need to uh, defeat that uh, mindset and encourage uh, everyone that uses our IT and network resources to, uh, you know, even if even if they're not sure, if you have any uh, any suspicion whatsoever that something is not quite right, uh, report that right away. Let the professionals investigate it. Right, uh, even if you click the link and and you sit, think afterwards, I wonder if that was legitimate. I wonder if I really should have clicked that link. Report that up to uh, to IT. Let them in investigate that, right? Uh, the sooner we find some of these things out when they happen, uh, the better off. And, and if you're wrong and it, it wasn't a malicious link, right? It, it's, it's a good training. It's good exercise for everyone involved. And it promotes a culture for everyone uh, to get involved and to be, uh, you know, respondent to various things when they happen uh, in, in a proactive way and, and not in the, uh, wait a minute, We've got a problem here. Now we have malware on the network. Yes, I 100% agree with you, 100%. Well, Pat, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, sadly, we're going to have to draw to a close. Is there anything else you'd like to, um, any other knowledge you'd like to leave with anybody uh, listening today before we uh, call it a day? Just one last thing I, I think is, you know, uh, a lot of times our, our staff, especially in cybersecurity, even even junior staff that's just getting started off, they have ideas, uh, things that uh, that they think doing their normal daily routines uh, that may help us add additional layers and reduce risk. I I I, I like to uh, take all of those things seriously, and I like to give. Uh, staff members opportunity to take an idea and build off of it. Because again, even if it's just a tiny little reduction in risk, that can be quite significant, right? That might mean the difference between, uh, you know, you getting breached or it being someone down the street. So uh, our work staff or people that do these jobs in IT and information security and network security, uh, their ideas are very, very important. And I think promoting a culture where people are willing to share and build on those ideas as, as projects uh, going forward can can be, um, you know, can can go a long ways in helping us do the things we need to do to protect our organization, our business and our network. Well, Pat, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for the conversation today. I hope I have the opportunity to uh, 
have another conversation in the future about a future article or another subject. If anybody's interested in reading his article in full, there will be a link in the description uh, below. Um, How organizations can consistently reduce cyber risk. It's a good read. Last notes for me before we go. I mean, just continue to learn, continue to read. And uh, until next time, it's Chris McGowan. Have a good day. Thank you, Chris.